And so um, singleness is an interesting topic. I think there's uh, definitely some things that I think we can all learn no matter what station in life that we're in, uh, what aspect of um, if we're married, whether we're single, if we're young or old. Uh, we're, we find ourselves in a lot of different situations, and maybe we'll find ourselves in a different situation in the future. And so how we uh, handle some of those things. So uh, I think it'll be a good discussion, and looking forward to that. Let's begin with a word of prayer, and I've asked uh, John Cryline to uh, lead us in that prayer. So let's uh, go to God before we begin. John. Salt All right, so on the board are kind of my two goals for the class today. Um, one, just to heighten our awareness, to see that singleness and marriage are both a gift. And two, to use our advantages on either side of the circumstance to glorify God. And so as we look at uh, today's topic, those are going to be where we're going to spend uh, the majority of our time. So... First of all, I have a caveat. I just asked for patience today uh, from you and for the class uh, because I know this is a very personal thing. I know no matter where you find yourself in this situation, it's your experience. And, uh, you know, I've been married for almost 24 years. It's been a long time since I've walked the single life. And so it's hard for me to remember some of those things. And my experiences may be vastly different than your experiences. You may be currently single. You may have been married in the past and now single. You may have never been married. And so your experiences are your experiences. And you have a very deeply rooted reason for some of that. And so I just ask for patience for myself and for the class today, as we bring these things up, I'm interested in your experiences, how things have affected you, how that you've seen um, problem areas and maybe find some solutions for uh, maybe a, a misunderstanding between us as we talk about this. So I just ask that we work through this with grace and patience. Um, and so I'm... I'm uh, that's my, my caveat. So, um, again, I may say something that may be offensive, and I, I don't mean it. it. And, you know, I'll be happy uh, for your perspective and uh, your story. So, uh, I, I initially just thank you for that. 
Let's read uh, the passage in 1 Corinthians. And again, uh, I unfortunately was not here as we discussed chapter 7. So I'm not exactly sure what you discussed. So if there's things that we crossed back over that Luke uh, mentioned last week, then I apologize for that. So, um, but let's, uh, let's read a little bit from the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Could I get a reader? Um, let's see... Ryan Davis, would you mind reading? Let's uh, read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and pick up in verse 29 through 38. Just to kind of give us a little bit of context of where Paul's coming from. And we'll mention a few other passages. Again, 1 Corinthians 7, 29 through 38. Thank you. Um, I am not going to discuss the present distress very much this morning of what they were going through and why this may have been the the aspect. Because I want to spend our time more of how it affects us today. How this idea of either marriage or singleness can impact us and how we treat each other. Again, there were some divisions among the Corinthian church. And again, This might have been yet another division line that they were having within the group. And again, how was Paul trying to get them to assimilate with each other? How was he trying to repair the division lines that the Corinthians had? This was another seemingly issue that the Corinthian brethren had within themselves. And so I want to focus more on that than um, the situation that they were in. And I understand that plays a part, but I think there's still things for us to look at as we uh, analyze this topic. So as um, as we look at this first idea of heightening our awareness to see that singleness and marriage are both a gift, that sometimes in the church, sometimes we associate the end goal is for you to get married, have a family, to be a good Christian. That that is the whole package in a Christian life. And that is not what Paul is talking about. 
But I know that sometimes, you know, we, we talk about marriage and family a lot. We talk about our relationships a lot. And, and marriage seems to be the ultimate goal of Christianity. And that is not the conclusion that Paul is leaning toward. And I think that we make a mistake if we have that preconceived notion that that is the goal. Um, Again, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 7, he says in verse 7, um, and this is, well, let me read New American Standard first, and then I'll read a different version. It says, Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am, talking about Paul. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. The New Living uh, expands on that just a little bit. I wish that everyone could get along without marrying, just as I do, but we're not all the same. God gives some the gift of a husband or wife, and others he gives the gift of being able to stay happily unmarried. And so I think there is this gift aspect on both sides of this. It's not just the gift of marriage and, well, good luck with the other side. He's saying both of these things are equally a gift. I think that's important. Alan? I think sometimes it's not that it's, uh, it's, it's not true. It, it, it is true, but it's used in a way that hurts. And that is you'll be, the woman will be saved in childbearing. And so only in marriage can she be saved. And so therefore, um, speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get you back later. I don't know that I'm going to, um, again, because I want to look at both of this side of the gift of each of these. Um, hmm. I think we'll have to wrap back around because I don't want to get derailed with that topic. Um, but again, I don't know, Amory. I don't think that is a requirement of salvation. Um, that there's a lot of cultural influences in that. Um, so I'm just going to leave it there. We can talk about that more um, more later on. Um, all right. So I want to challenge our assumptions a little bit. I want to just brainstorm this question: What are some things that Christians might believe about living a life of either singleness or marriage? That are not true. What do we sometimes, and eh, may not, I'm not pointing fingers, what do we as a group sometimes think that's true that isn't true of either singleness or marriage? Let's challenge some of these things. Josh? Stupider because you don't have somebody to um, tell you where your 
they can do to succeed spiritually as a single person, we can inadvertently imply that if you don't get married, then you will fail in all these other areas. Okay, all right. I think that's challenging. Julia? Okay, I think that's definitely part of that. Yes. Um, who we got? Yes, sir. I know people who feel that they cannot be their spiritual, meet their spiritual potential unless they are married and have children and things like that. And particularly for men. I know men who desire to be elders and feel that What else? What else do we are we challenged with? That little thing in the back of our head that kind of goes, well, hmm. What do you think? Yeah, Grandma, hang in. We're gonna bring you mic. Well, I'm a good one to say. <laughs> to say okay. I had both. Okay. Believe you me, I would love to have my husband back. Yeah. He was a he was a jewel. Now I have to make the decisions, and I I ask you or. Or my son David, and uh, but it's just different uh, because you you just lost a lot when you lose your husband. Okay. So there is some value to spouses, and again, as a, an aging grandmother of mine, um, yeah. So it is a challenge as you uh, change stations through life. I mean, I've had water in the basement here lately, and my neighbor. He has a family, and he's been a Jew. Uh, he he actually put, he went through my yard and and busted up one of my tiles, and he knew that he knew what happened, and so he's been there several times. Uh, actually, I've been gone, but uh, he called and told me that 
he tried to get everything back to where it was. Yeah. And he said, I've still got more to do. Yeah. And, that was and so that's a challenge. That's a challenge when you're having to do things on your own. And so uh, that's, that's part of that as well. Uh, Lisa, yeah. The grass is greener. Yeah, it, it, we're always like, um, I can only be happy if I'm married, right? That's, that's the assumption that, we, that I personally have felt in the past. I, I'll just be straight up. It's like, well, I, that's what I need to be happy. I'll always remember Jerry Spencer at our wedding. He came up to me, older gentleman at church, and said, Brad, there's... Three rings of, of marriage. The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and suffering. And uh, it was just like, oh, thanks, Jerry. That really puts that in perspective. And, uh, you know. But hey, that assumption that just because I get married, that things are just going to be rainbows and flowers and unicorns and everything's going to be perfect is also not right. There is a challenge when you're melding two different people into the same one. And that's difficult. Marriage is difficult. Love is hard. And so that assumption that I can only be happy if I'm married is not sound. Uh, Karen, and then Mitch, sorry. Yeah, it, it is. I, I'm going to, um, hang on, Mitch. Uh, there was a quote that I was going to read at the end, but I think it is appropriate there. Um, if I can find it. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot in her book, uh, Let Me Be a Woman. This is her perspective, not mine. Uh, she said, having now spent more than 41 years single, I've learned that it is indeed a gift, not one that I would choose, but we do not choose our gifts. Remember? We are given them by a divine giver who knows the end from the beginning and wants above all else to give us the gift of himself. I thought that was a, a good perspective. And again, we're, we're naive to be a teenager and have our life already lived. We have this ideal life that we want to have things happen to us in this particular order, in this thing, and if things go that way, then I'm going to be happy. How naive are we to sit before God and say, God, the only way that I'm going to be happy is if this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens in the order that I dictate. How foolish we are to allow that path of our life to be the determination of our happiness and contentment with God when things do not go down the path that we would choose. And I think 
that's hard. That it challenges our own perceptions of what a happy life is. And we never factor in any challenges. We never factor in any um, bumps in the road, um, death, sickness, divorce, any, any of those other things when we look at our lives. Mitch? Joseph, and you can just see, you know, his life did not go the way that he wanted it to go, but God put him in a position to glorify him in saving the world from starvation. I mean, it, it, that one 
trajectory of his life would not have been the one he chose, but God still used that in, in that situation. Um, and, yeah. Um, sorry. So, so often we find ourselves trying to decide between right and wrong. And we don't take into consideration that both can be right. And I think that's what Paul is telling us here, that one's not wrong and one's not right. They're both designed by God, and we need to use them to His glory, whatever shape And, and so, uh, you know, that's just something we need to change our thinking on. And not only change our thinking, but realize that it can become an idol of the heart. It can become more important, that relationship between our husband and wife, or parent and child, or other things. If that becomes the idol and replaces God, if we take God off that high point and set something, anything else up there, that becomes idolatry. It becomes that thing is family. It's more important than anything else. And if we set that up there and replace God, it can, that's a sin. It is something we need to deal with. That is a heart issue. Sorry, did I? (laughs) Well, it's good. Joy. stages of life that I mean I've heard the exact same things from the college students um, I mean my daughter's a freshman I've heard the exact same arguments that they're completely alone surrounded by people right the, the young people are having that same problem uh, these days where they're around people but they don't know how to connect with each other there's not a connection and that's a challenge and so I think that heightened awareness is uh, it is definitely something we need to take notice of and, and see if we can find some solutions where we are. Um, I think that I'm getting to notice in my situation after being married for nearly 41 years and now being single that um, there are things that I am learning now that I would never have had a chance to learn if had I remained married. Um, a lot of things about how to take care of myself but also I'm learning that sometimes marriage can restrict or um, prevent you from developing friendships because you're so connected in that relationship that you don't have time maybe or um, you're not even interested in that. So I am learning that one of the blessings in singleness is that you have the opportunity to be connected to many more people because you have time. 
So let's move into that next section. So as we look at the, the quadrant of married and single and pros and cons, that four quadrants there, I don't want to talk about the, the pros of marriage or the cons of singleness. I want to look at the other two questions there. Um, the, um, what are the pros of being single and the cons of being married? Let, I don't want to spend a lot of time in here, but those two, sometimes we forget about the, um, and be nice if you're answering that question, so I'll just warn you. Um, okay. <laughs> Wisdom right there. Pros, pros of being single, um, cons of being married. And Paul talks about some of those in that scripture that we're talking about. And I think it's important for us to analyze a little bit of those so that we don't just glorify marriage and demoralize singleness. I think, uh, so let's look at that quickly. Uh, Josh? So there's, there's logistical freedoms, there's uh, financial freedoms, I think, that's important, Sarah? On a very practical level, um, I do not have to juggle spending my level study time with kids, um, with meeting their needs or anything like that. Um, I don't have to spend my finances on kids, um, or I have less of them because I'm not married or anything, but I can that stuff directly to God at the time. And, 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 and. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, it, it is. There is some just different levels of responsibility when you're not having to uh, care for that. Um, anybody want to delve into the other side there? Okay. It's the women. See? <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> oh, sorry. Vicki, go ahead. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yes. Interesting perspective. Again, when it, you're dealing with a spouse that uh, is growing and um, at different rates, maybe. Yeah, Kayla. It is complication. That may be the right uh, term there as a, a con of marriage. It's just complicated. It's just there's a lot of things to juggle. A lot of uh, personalities. A lot of uh, um, dreams and goals that each of them have. That if that you got to balance, because singleness has become a higher and higher percentage in our culture, and therefore, just statistically, in our churches. Uh, in 2014, I think, was the first time that our nation hit a 50-50 split of married versus single. We see this trend of you know, marriages not happening until uh, they're 30, uh, and then most of those collapse within a few years. Um, and so even among the churches, there is almost a, a third of a church that is in that single state and that is something we need to address. We need to, to think about these things and, and make that, um, not overlook that station. Leanne? I'm, I'm not complaining, but once you have children, uh, you are constantly in conflict. Um, as an example, just the other night I was called to do something good for someone. Um, and I was in the middle of doing something for my children. And I had to ask myself the question, what is the and I have to ask myself that many, many times in a week. And um, I would assume the single person does not have that exact same goal. It is. And I think, I think it's important to think of this in two different ways. And I'll, um, let me come back to you just a second. Um, singleness by circumstance and singleness by choice. So. Uh, this was presented to me, and I thought it was helpful to me to just look at it from a different perspective. Singleness by circumstance, either profession, a location, or opportunities limit those options. Divorce, being widowed, too young, too old, too sick. There are circumstances in life that just do not allow or necessitate a married relationship. There's also that singleness by choice. Again, um, independent life, uh, that less responsibility, that lower financial obligation, um, a profession that is not conducive to a, a marriage. There are things and people who choose, just that's just not for me. And, and Paul is addressing those situations, either circumstance or by choice, that we need to recognize and not try to 
change them in order to be a good Christian. I think it's very important for us to have a mindset that is different. Lisa. Excellent. Thank you for your perspective. Uh, and again, I, I appreciate and value that. Um, all right, I'm going to go back real quick. What are some things that the church can do to help other Christians who either by choice or circumstance, live a life of singleness? How can we... What are some practical things that Avon can do with this group? Sarah? Don't overlook us. Don't overlook us. Um, and I'm not saying that this group does. Yes, I... Um, but what... Was it Craig, I think, was saying about the image of Thanksgiving and the kids' table and all of um, I think with some groups, it's a default that adults are married with kids or older and retired with kids and grandkids. Um, we have a lot to give, less. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, I want to hear that perspective. Yes, good uh, I think it's really just, I didn't get married until I was 30, so I've had a full life. just breaking down the barriers of if I'm single, I can only hang out with single. If I'm married with young children, I can only hang out with married with young children. Like, that's one of the beautiful things of the body of Christ is that we don't have to have those barriers anymore. Like, I can have, you know, two single people and not be setting them up over to my house, <laughs> you know, for supper. Yeah. 
Yes, yes. It is. That is um, that's a very practical thing. Um, our good friends in, in Florida have, you know, just never were able to have uh, children, and, and it is a constant source of, of frustration for them. And it is hard, admittedly, when you have a two-year-old to talk to another mom or dad that has a two-year-old, and we only talk about marriage things, and or we only talk about parenting things, and and that becomes our entire conversation and our our friend group is only the people that we're in the same stage of life in and challenging us to let's drop those monikers let's let's make sure that we're not creating divisions among us that we're inclusive of them and their needs and their situation i think it's really important where we at julia i was just kind of
He doesn't want us to get distracted with us trying to be the thing that we actually need. In heaven, we finally get the thing we actually truly need. So let's not get so distracted with it. We feel like, we feel like marriage and singleness are mutually exclusive. We have to talk down about one in order to glorify the other. And that's not the way Paul does it. That's not the way the Bible does it. You know, marriage is beautiful and honorable and wonderful. But singleness, Paul is saying here, singleness has its benefits too. And so I don't feel like we have to do this either or not. Yep. Good. Certainly. Great. Very well. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Lisa. Just deciding also with what we're all saying, um, it really helped to hear what Richard's comment was alluding to, that if our purpose, our goal is heaven, not the church, not the nursery, not whatever, then all of us in this room, we, that's our, all of our goal, regardless of our marital status, mm-hmm. regardless of our loneliness or loneliness, and so we're all just helping each other. Um, Yeah, so the challenge of we talk about church family, but are we living out? Is there a child in your life? Is there a college student in your life? Is there um, someone, the older generation in your life? You know, for me, like, am I actively participating like a family day to day with someone older than my older wiser than me in different life circumstances? And just really living that out beyond our building time. That we have a multi-generational family Mm -hmm. for the full benefit of all of us. Yeah, great thoughts. So as we finish up, I just I, I hope this was challenging. This was challenging me. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up here. Um to those who are single, just a couple reminders. Utilize the advantages of being single. Don't be selfish with your time. Get out of your house. You have to engage. It's easy to just be independent and stay where you are and not engage. It's just a challenge to you on that. And don't begrudge others who have the added responsibility because they have a spouse and or children. That doesn't allow them the same freedoms there. Watch out for those dangers of being single. Those temptations, whether they're sexual, whether they're selfishness, whether there is a lack of reliance upon others, be careful of those temptations. Be aware of loneliness. Even being alone doesn't mean loneliness, but that can creep in. Accept invitations. Don't get too used to your schedule. Remember that you're in the family of God. And Mark 10 talks about that you have a family and we can be that. And to challenge those of you who are not single, be acceptive of those who are single by choice. If they accept that that gift of God for singleness, don't consider them strange. Thank God for his diversity of gifts to his people. Utilize those who use their singleness for increased service to God. They might have a great relationship working together. Be understanding toward those who are single by circumstance. The challenges they face may not be due to their choice. The temptations they may face living the single life. 
and be sensitive toward those who are single, whether by choice or circumstance. They need to be a part of this family. And their need for friendship and involvement in our activities. So I hope this has been beneficial. I don't know that I've ever been um, through a topic like this, um, but I appreciate your perspectives and uh, how God uh, wants us to view this gift of marriage and singleness. So thank you guys. Thank <laughs> you.